RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. A couple of weeks ago, we had Clyde Graff on talking about 1080. He has a long history with his brother, hunters, outdoorsmen for decades. Uh, he's kind of seen it all in the New Zealand bush. And, of course, they made that Poisoning Paradise documentary back, uh, I think, in the early or mid-2000s. Uh, that got a lot of publicity at the time, but it also got them on the wrong side of the establishment as well. It's been a while since we'd heard from um, the Graffs, and we heard from Clyde Graff not too long ago here at RCR. That that got a lot of attention, a lot of you thinking, a lot of feedback, emails and texts, etc. So we're going to stay or build on that chat. Um, we're welcoming Nora Shaib, coordinator of Northland Toxin Awareness Group, who's beaming in from Tutakaka, the Tutakaka coast in Northland. Nora, thanks for coming on RCR. Well, thanks for giving me this opportunity. It's, um, yeah, the, the, the media doesn't really like talking about this subject to any one of us. So um, thank you for inviting What did you, th- did you, I'm, I'm presuming you heard Clyde, yeah. What did you make of that? Well, I've watched their documentary over 15 years ago, and it's yeah. really changed my life. Wow. Um, you know, I was crying all the way through it, really, um, about the cruelty and the inhumane insanity, the eco side, and the images of the dying and dead animals are burned into my mind and my soul. It really changed my life. And call me naive, but I would never have thought of the New Zealand government being so corrupt. New Zealand seemed so benign all those years ago when I got here. The Kiwi is such a friendly and open and trusting people. Yeah. It just took COVID for the five million sheeples to finally realize we actually do not live in a democracy. You, I think, uh, from Germany originally, is that correct? I was. I grew up in Germany. Yeah, okay. I grew up in Germany. And you came to New Zealand. Why? Well, um, you know, like most Europeans, I I came here not for economic reasons, but attracted by the clean, green, one hundred percent pure New Zealand image. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get out of the rat race, live a healthy lifestyle, grow my own food, live in harmony with nature, and all that jazz. Yeah, little did I know. Actually, so, um, you mentioned pure NZ because that's, or I, I don't know if it still is, but it was the big marketing strap line for the country for years. What true. a crock of crap that is. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? Talk about absolutely. false bloody advertising. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and they're not even ashamed to say so when they were put on the spot by some environmentalists who said, so what about this whole clean, green, 100% pure? They went like, oh, no, that was just a successful marketing campaign. It's, you know, something that it could evolve into. Well, what's it evolved into is total disaster, environmental disaster. Yeah, how can you claim that when you're basically industrial level poisoning your environment (laughs) that's correct yeah and we're actually from what i know the only country in the world who has the audacity to do so yeah audacity is a good word i'm going to play the um devil's advocate here okay so there are possums rats stoats deer i don't know what else a whole whole bunch of these okay rabbits introduced 
pits, uh, pests, pits, Freudian slip there, pests that are rampaging through the wilderness of New Zealand, the um, the beautiful bush, killing all the native birds and basically destroying our natural flora and fauna, our heritage, and they've got to be wiped out. We've got to do something. The labor and effort required to physically go in and remove these uh, pests from the wilderness is just too much of an effort, so we have to find other means to do it, and we've found a way of doing it. There's a little bit of collateral damage around the edges using their arguments, um, but it works. So unless you want the bush to be ruined, we've got to do this. Okay, what's wrong with that picture? Well, what's wrong with that picture is that it's not true. Um, the thing is, you know, nobody denies that there aren't areas in New Zealand where there is an imbalance which need to be addressed individually. But that does not warrant that all-out chemical warfare blanket, blanket approach the resulting destruction and pollution and suffering this causes is not acceptable. It's too much a high price to pay. It's immoral. Just recently, I learned that even the originator of the Predator Free New Zealand 2050 campaign, Les Kelly, is against the use of poison. His project was hijacked and perverted into this outrageous poison campaign. He's written a book about it, and I hope he'll get the chance to speak about it here too. Oh, okay. Well, well that's, a, that's a good heads up. Absolutely. Interested in that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you should hear what this guy has to say. I, I can't recite all of that um, it's because it just happened recently and I haven't found his book yet. But, uh, you know, nobody says we don't have an issue. But everywhere in the world... People have, you know, even ancient indigenous cultures have migrated, bringing their own plants, their own um, pets, their own domestic animals with them. And, you know, whether animals get to a country brought by people or, on, you know, traveled on, on the wind and the ocean for thousands of miles uh, or brought into the country by modern day um, farming and agriculture doesn't make a difference. It's happened everywhere in the world. It's called evolution. Yeah. And it's it, just it, part of what happens, you know. It was always you know, going to happen. It was always going to happen. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, so, where, where did this idea of trying to, I don't know, rope off, um, you know, whole sections, whole countries and try and, and restore you know, the um, the point of history back to some other era. I mean, who came, I wonder who came up with that. And really, has anyone argued is it, that it, it's a valid way of thinking anyway? Well, exactly. I mean, how far do you want to take it back? Uh, you know, cattle, sheep, chickens, pigs, all of that and people were not endemic to New Zealand. How far do you want to take it back? Uh, yeah, you because know, you could make an argument that everyone, every human should leave. You Well, yeah, it would make sense. <laughs> well, you <laughs> we know, that's every human, no matter who you are, because they were an introduced, well, they introduced themselves, species. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, Self-introduced and, and uh, you know, you can't say that for the possums, they were brought here, what, over 100, 150 years ago. And a dog officer who sat next to me at a party once said everything that's been in the country for 70 years is considered native. And when I said, oh, well, but the possums have been here for 150, he said, oh, yeah, not, but not those. Um, you well, know, okay, so there's an exception for possums. There's an exception for possums in this country for everything. Um, it's just so unrealistic. And I mean, the, the reason for, uh, for all of this uh, is pretty obvious to me. I mean, there's two sides to it. One is the financial side where a lot of uh, groups are benefiting financially from doing this, um, you know, predator control campaign. Um, whether it makes sense or not doesn't matter, it's money. And then there is this other aspect that wasn't discussed um, in the documentary by the Graf brothers, which is, you know, confirmed by uh, a study done by a human animal um, study of the PhD candidate at the University of Canterbury who analyzed this irrational hatred and demonization of possums in New Zealand. And what the scientist says makes perfect sense to me, and I've observed this on myself and the people around me. The article in which she was quoted said that she, the researcher, believes that nowhere in the world is an animal species as demonized as possums are in Aotearoa. New Zealanders have been misled about these animals, she says, a lot of facts so-called facts that are being reported are not reflective of what possums actually eat. The Handbook of New Zealand Mammals says they are best described as opportunist herbivores feeding mainly on leaves. And it needs to be added that they are very often, they very often feed on fruit and seeds. In a study published in the New Zealand Journal of Ecology in 2002 by scientists of the Canterbury University again, must be an enlightened bunch down there, Yeah, found that possums have by now become the major seed dispersers and pollinators in many part of, parts of New Zealand for the lack of birds and insects. Now that science isn't widely publicized, government doesn't want us to know that. Now why do we have such a critical lack of birds and insects? Because we poison everything not just with 1080, but with our liberal use of a multitude of toxic pesticides. Because of intensive farming practices use a lot of toxic agrochemicals. It's not just the nitrates that are polluting our waterways. Because pesticides kill all insects and adversely affect the reproduction of birds. And because of the commercial honey industry robbing what little there is of nectar and pollen from the bush, and that's starving our wildlife. The honeybee is not native to New Zealand. Did you know? Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. You wasn't? Ah, no, you no. Well, I don't know much about any of this. I'm finding out as I go. Okay. Well, uh, did you know? You didn't know that we had uh, some 26 native bees in New Zealand? I knew we had some native bees, I think, but not, not that many. I didn't know the exact number of species. Yeah. Well, nobody cares about them because they can't be exploited. They don't make honey. They are pollinators. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. They are pollinators suited to our native vegetation. They are literally custom made by nature, so to speak. 
they're suited to the particular flower shapes and so on. Whereas the honeybee is much bigger and actually kills the native bees. Oh, and yeah, so, uh, you know, let's be honest about what humans are doing to this country. And it really is our primary industries who are destroying this country. Though we can't kind of live without them anyway, but I'm sure you'll probably say there are other ways of doing that to maintain yeah. the business and not have the impact. So the demonization of the possum, um, that that needed to, that animal needed to be demonized to make all this possible. Is, is, am I right? Yeah. Kind well, of. you know, the, this other psychological aspect in, in the Pakia population, what the re researcher has said is um, possums are the victims of colonization as they were brought here by Pakia, the New Zealand Europeans, to be exploited. She says by trapping, poisoning and shooting possums, Pakia are trying to justify their own place in a country their ancestors colonized, a process that was disastrous for the native species and the natural environment in Maori. It's like, I belong here. I don't deserve to leave, but they deserve to leave. They okay, so the possums are paying sort of like a guilt price. That's correct. Yeah, she said the <laughs> hatred oh, directed at possums doesn't actually have much to do with the animals. It has everything to do with human understandings of belonging here in New Zealand. So it's basically an identity crisis. Okay, that's really interesting. Um is it possible, do you think, okay, let's say X amount of these pests need to be removed from the bush to maintain some sort of balance? That may or may not be right. I don't know. Um, the bird life needs to be preserved, though surely nature finds ways for that to happen, I'm, I'm wondering. But is it possible to physically remove these animals from i mean we spent 500 million dollars on rat tests I'm not talking about rats but you know the rat tests 500 million i'm presuming that would pay for a lot of people to go into the bush over a long period of time and over time you know um trap or or i don't know how you do the business but not using poison eliminate a good deal of these pests. Do you think that's possible because we're told that it's not? For one, I believe that nature is the one who will in the end work it out the way it can be worked out. And Rachel Carson has said this in 1962, so quite a long time ago. And everybody, everybody in this world should read her book, Silent Spring, because it explains in total clarity how we got into this toxic mess, the politics behind it, everything. And, um, you know, to me, nature is the only one that can fix it. We have proven for thousands of years that we keep doing the wrong thing. We just don't get it, you know? And, and just because we look at something, I mean, many people aren't even capable of observing one bird out there they can't you know they look outside and they, they're not seeing they're not looking at things they don't live with it like the graph brothers have and i've lived in the bush now for over 20 years i'm outside all the time 
I haven't seen a stoat in I don't know how many years. And that's a problem because we have millions of rabbits and they're killing the bush. But the, the thing is, you know, why do people think they know better than nature? I don't get it. We have proven that we don't. We've, we keep interfering and we're making it worse by keep interfering. But more than anything, we need to change our attitude about what is biodiversity. Everywhere in this world, scientists, enlightened scientists, have come to the conclusion that what we thought was the right thing, the right biodiversity, has changed. But we still don't understand all the connection, the interconnection between the different species. Um, Rachel, honestly, you got to read this book because it makes it so clear what's happening. And I find it actually really shocking that all these years later, people still don't understand. So basically what I'm saying, and the Graf brothers have said that in their documentary, that's how I understood it, is we, we actually, that, that issue is blown totally out of proportion. It's just not right. Well, they actually, thinking back to what Clyde said, I think he mentioned a few areas of the country that um, weren't 1080 poisoned, um, maybe uh, on the east coast in the Uruwera National Park where Tuhoi, um, I think, managed that park now. Uh, there are certain areas there that uh, Clyde mentioned um, are not subject to 1080 poisoning. He's been into those areas. He's been into other areas of the country where that poisoning takes place. And he was very clear. The thriving bush was the area that wasn't being poisoned. Now, surely you don't have to be a rocket science to be able to, a scientist to be able to tell the difference. Well, exactly. It's pretty obvious, right? It's so obvious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and there's so many scientists who have confirmed that. But uh, you know what? What is science worth if they're not allowed to speak the truth? Yeah, but denying rea- the obvious reality—what you can see with your own eyes. Well, I know, but you know, I can stand there and talk to a counselor or someone from council and point out erosion to them, and they look at it and said, "Oh no, there is no erosion." Even though they're right in front of it and can see it. Exactly. Yeah. How do you explain that? It's, you know, when you look at it, all the books I've read, and I have read nothing else but political environmental books in the last 15 years, it's, it's a common behavior of governments is to simply deny that something exists. First, they don't answer, classic behavior. First, they don't answer. Then they say, oh, well, no, um, I'm not the one you need to speak to. You need to talk to so-and-so. So you get, you know, pass the buck, pass the buck, pass the buck. And then they simply deny these facts. And that's common behavior. That's how governments operate, operate which, you know, is, is very predictable. I can't see the downside, though, and I wonder what our audience thinks of a politician, let's say a minister for the environment, coming out and saying, look, it's obvious this poisoning thing doesn't feel right. There's something wrong here. We're going to have to change that. We're going to, you know, the $500 million we spent on rat tests, we're going to refocus on a a new way of managing this. Um, We know it doesn't feel right. Everybody, um, I think, knows in their heart this. 
So we're going to do something different. What do you think the reaction would be? I'm picking that people go, yeah, well, that sounds reasonable, actually. Well, most people that I know, when I speak to them and explain to them what I've learned and and quote these independent scientists, say, oh, well, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. But now that you say it, yeah, I can see that. It's yeah, so the world's not going to end for, politically for someone by saying that. I guess it's all in the way you say it. So what prevents them from from going that way, from being upfront about it, I wonder. Well, no, I don't wonder. Um, okay. It's now very clear. Um, and again, come back to Rachel Carson, but also uh, Professor Neil Pierce, who's a New Zealand epidemiologist and recently published a book um, called uh, the, um, Health Sorry, um, where is it? It's usually around on my desk. I'll come back to it in a second. Yeah, sure. Um, it's it's a political issue. Um, and the chemical industry, let's not forget, it's one of the biggest industries in the world. It's the petrochemical industry. They own this place. And why? when I say this place, I mean planet Earth. Since the industrialization of, of the planet, they took over. They own, they have everybody in their pocket. And even, you know, the EPA of the US has been um, caught corrupted. There has been scandal after scandal of the EPA US corrupted. Well, what do you think our little EPA can do to stand up against the pressure of the industry? It's massive. You know, they've got them all the money in the world to pressure politicians to pressure any government in this world there's no one that can stand up against them unless we people stand behind our governments and make our government do it so again we're back to follow the money that's right it's unfortunately people have not to this day realized that you can't eat money, like um, that famous Native American one said. Once said, um, and unfortunately, New Zealanders have been led down a really destructive path. Um, you know, the pesticide industry has manipulated the agri the, the the agricultural industry and the forestry and all of that as they have with everyone. I mean, it's all just marketing. It's just selling people a product that's supposedly not toxic. I mean, I, I trust that everybody by now has heard about the Monsanto tribunal, about, you know, the glyphosate trials yeah. and so yeah. on. So, I mean, that, just think about that. The U.S. courts have condemned this company to billions of dollars of damages. They would not do that if they wouldn't have a reason. Just think about that. I mean, it's it's all common sense. I'm not a scientist. I don't have a scientific mind. I, I'm a total common sense person. You know, you look outside and you can see for yourself what's happening. So, and it's the same with the government. I, I mean, all of this is all about money. It's all about the chemical industry. The agrochemical industry is one of the biggest in the world. Okay, so your group is the Northland Toxin Awareness Group. Do you, th do you think you're getting anywhere with creating awareness? 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're trying here. Actually, yeah, but... yeah, we're trying. Yeah, no, we're, we're not trying. We're doing it because there's always someone out there. I mean, like the Graf Brothers, their, their documentary has changed my life. It really has. It's, it's put me on that track of where I am now. So, you know, and there's, there must be a few other people like me. And it's the same with our work. Um, we're mostly working on stopping the roadside spraying in this country. And it's, well, um, we're starting with Northland. Hopefully that is going to inspire the rest of it. What are they spraying on the roadside? Well, they're spraying mostly glyphosate. Um, so what's commonly known as Roundup. Um, but there's also other stuff mixed in, like Picloram, which was part of um, Agent White, used as a defoliant in the Vietnam War. Oh, and they mix in all sorts of, um, you know, adjuvants that make things stick better. And the combination of all of that becomes so unpredictably toxic because they only research one ingredient. But if you put together another ingredient and another one and another one, then you get different reactions. And that is never researched. Well, that's so, well known in, in um, you know, medicines. Well known. That's right. That yeah, you get well, um, toxic um issues when you mix medicines and, and plenty of people are on multiple medications. So that is so well known, that principle. That's right. And, uh, you know, you can imagine what all of this does to the atmosphere. Nobody, that's, that's the one thing that gets to me with this whole climate crisis conversation globally is nobody ever seems to mention pesticides and pesticides have a huge impact on the climate. It's not just the chemical molecules that react up in the air, but it's, you know, the, the um, paralyze the soil like antibiotics. They kill all the soil microbes and dead soil does not sequester carbon. And dead soil acts like a heat sink. You know, anyone who walks in a vegetated area can feel the, the temperature difference between an area where there's just bare soil and, and where there's vegetation. It's huge. Yeah. It's, you don't need to be a scientist to understand all this and to see it and feel it for yourself. Yeah. So is any of this necessary? <laughs> no, it is do, not. Do, does mean, the side of the road need to be sprayed? I mean, big deal if it's not. Right. No, no. And we do have scientists, again, I think from the Canterbury University, um, who made it very clear. But more than anything, we have our own Rachel Carson here in this country, Dr. Mariel Watts, an agricultural scientist who has dedicated her life to educating the public, but also the government. She was an advisor to the United Nations. Um, and she has always shown the other options, the alternatives to doing that. Um, you know, mowing, slashing, uh, planting the roadsides out with plant species that um, like... That, those are jobs. Those are jobs, of course. Yeah. And you could yeah. pay people well for doing that work because it's a real contribution. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> is, yeah. Is that. So, in short... It is not necessary. Um, you know, I realize, and everybody else does too, 
um, there are lots of toxic chemicals in this world that are hard to avoid, that are part of our lives. We're swimming basically on a daily basis in a, in a toxic soup. Um, the food additives, uh, you know, toxins in, in the skin products and cleaning products, it's, it's endless. But wherever we can, we should minimize the use and roadside spraying is not necessary. Thousands and thousands of kilometers of roadside get blanket sprayed every year annually and over 30,000 liters of glyphosate and other toxins get sprayed in New Zealand every year. Whether the roadsides have something growing on them or not. I mean, that's the one thing that we often notice is they spray it and you look at it and you think there was nothing growing there, man. Why did you do that? You well, know, you do that if you wanted to. If you had, how do I put it? If there was an expectation of how much product is to be bought and who gets what from the sale of that product. That's right. Because if you minimize the footprint of the spraying, well, that's that's less product sold, right? That's correct. <laughs> well, it all comes we're back. back to- we're back to the money thing, back to the yeah. follow the money thing. Yeah, yeah. But the scandalous thing in New Zealand is that, um, you know, say you want to use Roundup, the manufacturers give you a certain ratio and dilution, and uh, New Zealand uses a higher ratio. So why do you do that? You know, you kill a plant only dead once. You can't kill it any harder. Um, it's- yeah, there's a there's a strange pattern. The more I do this job at RCR, the more people I talk to in this area, the more I am starting to feel that there's a there's a pattern of overkill in our psyche. Yeah, that we sort of do everything to death, and it comes with an arrogance of thinking we know better than everyone else. Who are we? We're a tin pot little country at the bottom of the world. Let's be honest. Okay, we've got some smart people here. You know, but, you know, the world, whether it functions or, or, you know, moves forward is not dependent on New Zealand, right? So how come, I I mean, I'm asking someone who's from another part of the world, you might have a perspective on that, given that. This, it's like a hubris, it's like an arrogance. Yeah, actually quite a few New Zealanders who I had discussions with said, yeah, we're an arrogant lot. We just do what we want to do and we don't give a damn what anybody thinks about us. And we just, you know, this is how we do it. If you don't like it, bugger off. And, uh, you know. It's it's, like a short, you know, you've heard of short man syndrome. It's like some kind of short man syndrome. It is a bit. Well, it's, you know, the tall poppy syndrome and and it's... uh, what I have learned to see is New Zealanders feel inferior to the big boys out there, you know, all these other countries like the US. The well, but I don't know who that is. I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, who are these insecure people who feel inferior? Who are they? Yeah, the politicians must be, you know. I mean, they're trying so hard to always be uh, part of, of the game that the big boys play. They have to have their nose into everything. I mean, why don't we just stay out of the business with Putin? It's got nothing, Russian, Russia has got nothing to do with us. And that is, I can tell you that will not age well for us. That will not age well. Just saying. 
And, you know, we're, we're claiming we've got problems funding things from here. In the meantime, we're sending millions over there. No one's accounting for it. We don't know how it's being spent. We have no clue. Anyway, that's another story, but that won't age well. Uh, I'm picking. Here's another question for you because you're trying to raise awareness. You'd think the media would be all over this. What a huge story. We are poisoning our environment. What a huge story. Not a whisper. No, um, they don't want to touch it. It's. It, it, I mean, I'm. I'm. At times, I just despair because I think, hey, they're poisoning your children. Do you not want to know about this? You know, we have now three cases, reported cases of children being directly sprayed, not accidentally, directly sprayed by council road maintenance contractors. They drive their machines, there's people on the sidewalk or on the side of the road, and they keep spraying right over them. Now, Jeez. yeah, and, and uh, you know, that's unlawful. It's, it's against all the safety standards in this country, and yet they don't do anything about it. I've been on to this now for years. They don't do anything about it. And if you tell them, then they say, oh, that's an alleged offense. Well, hey, we've got eyewitnesses who would swear in court. Well, you can't believe what you see with your own eyes anymore, Nora. You know that. Your <laughs> lying eyes. You do, sorry. <laughs> That's right. You didn't eyes. see it even though you did, all right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it sounds um, – it's just lazy all around, isn't it? It's It's physically lazy. It's emotionally lazy. It's philosophically lazy. It's just lazy. Well, New Zealanders are not very confrontational people until recently, I should say. You know, it took COVID to activate quite a lot of people. In this they don't country. like upsetting people. They don't like being in awkward, upsetting situations. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and so, so, they, get, so they get driven over by a steamroller as a result every time. Yeah, a bit like that. But then I think, you know, hey, we're talking about your health here. And the other thing that you mentioned earlier on, I just want to come back to that because it's quite important. Um, you know, we don't need more science on 1080 like this Dr. Chan said just a few days ago. We don't need more science on toxic pesticides. We are a small country with only 5 million people and a small budget that shouldn't be wasted on more science. Biodegrade degradability of toxins is just a cop-out and it's the same with 1080 we have to ask ourselves what does it biodegrade into every chemical has a different synergetic reaction with another chemical the combinations are infinite we can't possibly preempt every possible combination and research the toxicology of their metabolites we all long be dead before the science can be established so well, we need more science because they need to earn more money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, I think there's quite a good, really um, wonderful scientists out there who have integrity, but they can't, they're not allowed to speak the truth. So what's the point in investing in science? Why can't we just accept that other countries with a much bigger budget have done the science already. And I mean, 1080 is banned in most parts of the world. I think Australia. Yeah, because it's the most poisonous thing on the planet. That's right. And so uh, quite a few other pesticides that are 
um, banned in other parts of the world and we are happily still spraying them around. Um, that's an arrogance of the government. It's a total disrespect of our lives. And I, I'd like to for New Zealanders to know this. It's a disrespect for our lives. Yeah, I think you're right. Fundamentally, that's what it is. And not just that, every life, the life of everything. It's, well, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a, a sort of a loathing. It, it is. It's, uh, I, I don't get it. Um, no, it's, do I. it's criminal. It's, it's actually criminal. And, uh, you know, I've met some wonderful people through the People's Inquiry um, and so many people who have worked on this for decades trying to get our government to stop this criminal use of, of toxic pesticides in this country. And, uh, you know, I think the need has arisen for making another documentary, a new documentary on the current situation of uh, the pesticides here in this country, the poisoning the, the state of this country. Maybe as, people, maybe as people are kind of waking up, because they are, many people are waking up. It's a broad term, but we know what it means. Maybe there's some hope, because when people wake up to one thing, they can wake up to other things too, and they can sort of join up dots. And maybe that's happening right now. Whether it's going to happen fast enough is the question. You know, if we don't stop this predator-free um, New Zealand campaign and they really dump all their 1080 into our landscape, it may be too late. You how can, how can Māori be happy with this? Well, you know, I've in, in my research about possums and all of that, I have spoken to quite a few Māori and asked them, you know, how do you feel about possums? Do you kill them? And most of the time, the answer actually was, why would I want to kill them? They're not doing anything. And from but, what but, I... But, you know, the mana, the whenua, of whatever the word is, of the bush, of the land, it must... How can poisoning it sit well with that? Well, it doesn't. I mean, the Maori are strongly protesting against 1080, as, as you would have seen in the Graf Brothers documentary. Yeah, but they've um, got a lot of say now, a hell of a lot of say. Well, that's what wanting a co-governance of the country. So how about stepping up there? Well, and that's what I keep saying to the Maori around here. I've tried to engage with Maori on this pesticide issue over and over again because... It is totally against, it's a breach of the treaty. You know, basically our government is poisoning the land, the sea, um, the seafood. They're poisoning everything. It's a breach of the treaty. And yeah, yeah, I keep yeah. saying, hey, make the use of, a, of this current political situation because I'm pretty sure it's not going to last. I'm pretty sure that this is just a ruse. All right, Nora, have we missed anything or does that cover it pretty well, do you think? Well, there's still lots to say about, um, you know, pesticide spraying in general in this country um, and the work that we do around around that. But, uh, you know, for me, it was now about 1080. And, uh, I, you know, I can only say that this is madness. Um, we have to stop it. Um, there is no reason for doing what they're doing. It's totally irresponsible, and we should stand up against it. Thanks for coming on RCR, Nora.
Yeah, thank you very much for this opportunity. Thanks, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.